Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got a returning guest, one of my favourites. Her name is Ambila Nath. So welcome, Ambila. Hi, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me again. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Always a pleasure. And um, Ambila is a spiritual dating and relationship expert. So how does that initially, Ambila, um, I suppose, differentiate you from uh, other dating or relationship coaches that are non-spiritual what what specifically you know I suppose comes under the umbrella of being a spiritual dating and relationship expert well as part of my side businesses I um, am a energy healer as well as a tarot reader who work with energies and reader energies so when I'm working with a client especially in coaching that automatically comes in as part of my coaching where they're getting deeper insights but I'm also able to help them delve deeper into themselves and as an energy healer I believe strongly that we manifest if we're holding on to our pain emotions in our body as an ache so I help to unlock the traumas that are stuck in our bodies and you know remove them so they get a really deep experience with me um, as opposed to just the logical and practical coaching Excellent. I just wanted to have you share that with listeners because I think it's a very good distinction and differentiation. Get my teeth in. Differentiation. Differentiation. I can't say it. No, and I, <laughs> Compared to others. Yeah, no, I appreciate that because a lot of people do wonder what the hell does she mean by adding spiritual in front of, you know, dating and relationships. And the concept of spirituality is just so vast. Yes. That, you know, um, kind of getting an understanding of how does that apply to coaching and, you know, what you do. Um, yeah. Thank you for letting me explain that. That's my pleasure. So today's subject, we was going to um, think about talking and discussing was this dating versus marriage concept and, and how I suppose we have expectations around, you know, what should or shouldn't happen on the back of going from dating and transitioning into marriage. So would you like to uh, lead us on your thoughts around that for us, Ambila? Yeah, well, this kind of topic came about because I've got a lot of people, especially in my culture, um, who don't, who date a lot in the sense that they may date as a couple and stuff, but they don't really move in together because culturally that's not, that's still a new thing. I won't say it's um, not acceptable, it's just not talked about. And, but then what you have is a lot of people are dating for a long time and not having lived together, they go straight into marriage. And then when they go into marriage, they all of a sudden realize that they're living with the person, they have the day-to-day stuff. Whereas when they were dating, there were wonderful holidays, there were romantic getaways, there were romantic meals, there was, you know, just lots of time spent together, maybe with other people, with themselves. And it's not the same as experiencing the mundane. And what 
was happening or is happening is that people tend to not be able to then work on the marriage because they've not matured enough to understanding what a relationship is. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. So just to back up a little bit, uh, you referenced it specifically to your culture. So could you just explain to the listeners that are not familiar with who you are and, and your background, explain what your culture is and, and why the, this is a particular issue or, or problem within your own culture? I keep taking it for granted that people can see me and know me. Um, I am an Asian stroke Indian woman. Um, so within the Asian Indian cultures or Eastern cultures, maybe even, um, it's not really common, even in this generation and age, for man and woman to live together prior to marriage. You can date, you can openly date for as many years as you want before getting married, but it's just beginning to kind of get a little bit more acceptable and open that you can actually move in together pr- you know, prior to marriage. So that's why this concept is quite new and alien in the sense that a lot of the women who end up dating their partners and stuff don't actually understand marriage. They're stuck on the wedding. They know all about their wedding. (laughs) Because that day is going to be amazing. They're going to look like this. The photographer is going to do this. And, you know, their poses are going to be like that. And so they know about the wedding day, but they're not prepared for the marriage and um, so there's been quite a lot of divorce cases as a result of that because they've just not been able to deal with the relationship on a day-to-day level and understanding the dynamics of what actually happens in a marriage. So what do you think has been done if anything to address that do you think um, you know where people are like you say getting more Uh, I suppose, involved in trying to educate their elders in it's a good idea to move in together before they get married or or is there any sort of coaching or counselling that's been put in place to, you know, highlight these potential issues and problems before the date of the marriage? One thing I want to kind of point out, even though I know it from an experience of my own culture, I'm pretty sure that it may also exist in the um, Western culture as well. Mm. Yeah, just about, you know, people having the ability to move. And it's also that maturity of understanding what relationship is and understanding that any relationship isn't just about the dating and, you know, the fun times, but it's also about the mundane cooking, cleaning, doing the shopping and in general chores that you would do around. Um, To answer the question that you asked, what's being done about it? At this moment in time, I can't answer it on a general basis to say that, you know, there's people are getting coaching or they're looking into it or whatever. Well, part people find it difficult to take that kind of step if they feel they're not in the wrong. For them, it's not um, something that's alien. Mm. So um, explain that a little bit better. So no, they don't go in straight into coaching or therapy or try to work at something because um, they don't have the understanding of why they need to do that. They go through the natural process of, oh, it's not working. It must be somebody else's fault, you know, or third party or, you know, economy or it just didn't work out for us. And then they end up separating and divorcing. There's nothing really in place. There are probably 
would say there's nothing where people have that knowledge that this is what's going on in the sense that it is the immaturity of not understanding relationships before going into a marriage. Yeah. So what do you think have been, you know, the main problems that you've seen or had people coming to you about that that have showed up, you know, once the like the dating process has come to an end and they've been entered into marriage? How, and how soon do you think on average these problems surface? Um, these problems start to surface quite soon after. So we're talking months as opposed to uh, years because what I was saying with regards to, we've had so many conversations in the last podcast and I'm sure you have with your other guests that you need to have a relationship with yourself before really being able to understand relationships with others. Mm. And a lot of the girls, because I am talking about the younger generation as opposed to the older, tend to go into the concept of marriage with rose-tinted glasses. And it's very much that it's all about the attention, the glamour, you know, because they're concentrating on the wedding day and taking that to be what the marriage will be, you know, continue to be like, where they're going to get all that attention. And all it's doing is highlighting their insecurities. And people don't, on a general, work on themselves ahead of a marriage, ahead of a relationship, um, especially when they don't have that maturity to kind of look into those kinds of things. They think that it's something that will just, you know, work out. They, they don't think that within the marriage you're going to have challenges, you're going to have difficult times. They only focus on the good, and that's not a bad thing. It's just that when the challenges happen, they don't know how to then deal with things when they come up. Yeah, very true. So I suppose... Um... What I'm interested in knowing is is what specifically are the, you know, because I'm assuming are they just sort of usually minor challenges that build up to a point where it's the straw that breaks the camel's back that ends up, you know, leading to divorce? Or or is it sort of something that major that sort of appears within the marriage that 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 contributes to that? What, what, What do you think are the main issues that show up for people that are in this situation? I think it's a mixture of the two, but mainly I would say, because it happens so soon after marriage, we're literally looking at within the first year to 18 months of it. So um, with regards to that, it is very much that they don't know how to handle um, the, let me say this, they don't know how to handle the relationship when uh, things come up because it's about personalities and it's also that concept of how unlike maybe older generations where we are more resistant to working at relationships and not giving up just because something isn't working out the way that we thought it was going to work out but um, giving it our our all the younger generation and again and this is not generalizing this is just the few that you know experience this tend to give up early because they can, because it's a lot more easier now for, you know, you to separate, for you to divorce, for you to kind of find somebody else and, you know, move your life on. So I think when you have all of those dynamics also in play, 
it mm. makes it easier for people to kind of go well you know what I've given it a year that's you know I don't want to make this work it's interesting so, isn't it because it's um I suppose an instant gratification era isn't it <laughs> it is and th- that's probably why I keep on referencing back to why you know a lot of the couples or especially women in this case think about the wedding day because that is the day that's all about themselves and they're being put on a pedestal it's all about gratification attention and the marriage isn't the marriage is that you've had you know together and everything and now it's like yeah well let's get back to normality let's get back to you know we need to cook clean do the shopping you know um when the well children don't come that soon but if they do um look after the children you know whatever it may be that's what marriage is as well and that, I think, it's kind of like coming from a honeymoon and then all of a sudden ending up in a, I don't know, I was going to say camping site, but camping sites aren't a bad place. But, <laughs> you know, having gone from a seven-star honeymoon, then all of a sudden going, oh, sorry, you, you know, we should have moved you into a tent. You weren't going <laughs> to be, you know, in this luxury. And I think that's what the, the shock is. It's extreme. It's not just a gradual, okay, this is how we're going to work our way down. For a lot of people, it's that shock of all of that attention gone, all of these responsibilities all of a sudden landing on their laps. And, you know, having to kind of deal with the dynamics of, as you do, you all of a sudden have an extended family, whereas before it was just a little couple that you know you're dealing with quite a lot of um, dynamics in a marriage do you think also something like goals come into play because let's let's take the example of looking forward to your wedding day that's a goal that you're working towards and then not sort of thinking beyond that you know you're not sort of planning well you know what beyond marriage this will be the next goal we can work on together they're just planning towards the, the the marriage and then once the marriage is done it's like oh now what you know there's nothing there's nothing to look forward to (laughs) that is very true and I hadn't actually thought about that but yes that is definitely a fundamental part that they've just thought about the wedding and the lead up to the wedding and then the honeymoon and all of that kind of thing but then they've not really thought okay not that a lot of people do because nobody really plans out their year or life unless you're a coach um on you know what they want to be doing and so they do come down to exactly as you said come back down to earth going what do we do afterwards apart from maybe kind of looking into buying a house or moving out or you know doing something along those lines or having children yes exactly but no but a lot of people and again it's not cultural based a lot of people do not really think about What are they going to do as a couple? What are their individual dreams as well as joint dreams that they want to build together? Yeah, and I suppose the reason I raised that was because um, obviously being coaches, we quite often are doing a lot of goal setting type work. And I do understand, you know, that um, as with anything, you know, when you once you've achieved a goal, it's always handy to have had a coach beforehand before you actually got to the point where you've achieved that goal 
you know, start looking at what next, you know, what's the next thing you want to do now? You've nearly almost achieved this goal. So what's next, you know, that we can look forward to, like you say, individually as well as collectively to to work towards and, and always be on that cycle of before you actually achieve that next goal, looking towards setting something better and bigger beyond that. Exactly. And as you know, a lot of people, because the big goals that we have in our lives may be, okay, I want to find a job, I want to move home, I want to go on a holiday, or, you know, those specifics that we know, we, you know, put into our diary or our plans. But anything in between, it is not really, you know, planned or thought of. And for, you know, general basis, everybody just takes it day to day. And especially where, you know, marriage is concerned, especially after the honeymoon and stuff, it is a day to day thing of adjusting to getting to know one another, adjusting to getting to know families and their dynamics and their expectations. And this is what it comes back down to, because it's not just about discussing, you know, your goals and stuff, but in some ways knowing what the other person is expecting. Mm. And if you don't kind of have those conversations of, not that we both know expectations aren't a good thing, um, that expectations, what do you want to do after, you know, what is it that you're thinking will happen? Because sometimes, especially in my culture, that might not be communicated, where the guy might not actually communicate, well, actually, you're going to be living with my family and that's what I want. So it can be a shock to the girl of going, oh, I thought we were going to get a home of our own or, you know, things like that. So basically, a lot of miscommunication can happen. Yeah. Because you haven't talked through things. So what are the most common things you're finding when you're working with clients around this then, Ambila? The most um, common things are basically very much to do with our wonderful word, expectations, um, communication or lack of communication. And I think it's also the knowing of what the dynamics are in a relationship so where you're it comes back to self-worth and confidence being able to communicate with your partner and not feel guilty and not feel that you're because what's happened is when they were dating or prior to you know the dating stuff sometimes the woman has um, become who she thinks the man will like so again, and then after marriage, she's become who she is because all of a sudden, and I'm sure it's happened equally with men, you know, because all of a sudden you've got your partner, you're with someone, you're a couple, and then you relax into being who you actually are. And that can sometimes be a very different person to who you were when you were dating. So I think it's, it's so many dynamics that come into it, but a lot of it is about um, the communication, the expectations or not knowing what's expected of you in fulfilling, you know, certain roles and um, certain dynamics and compromising. I think that's the biggest thing, being able to compromise and get through the challenges. So could you, um, without mentioning any names, sort of give a, a bit of a case study scenario of something that's typically, you know, been brought to you that, that, you give advice and guidance on and you know how that changed things for the for the individual or the couple involved yeah 
Um, so scenario was that couple had been dating for a long time. So when they married, it wasn't a shock because, of course, they'd been dating, you know, a while. But and the marriage was wonderful, extravagant. It was, you know, lavish. Honeymoon was equally wonderful. Um, and then the marriage basically settled into the home. And that's when the problem started to happen because the realization of what the day-to-day -day life is, but plus um, I think began to dawn on each individual. I won't blame it on one party or the other. Um, dawned on each individual. And it basically came down to not really knowing the person, realizing that you had different dreams and goals to start with, even though you thought the bigger goals might have been the same, like marriage and eventually wanting children, you know, moving together. But with regards to, I suppose, direction of life, mm. one of the fundamental differences. And also being able to um, get along with other people, i.e., you know, other family members, other extended, kind of fit into families. I hate using the word expected, but kind of um, self-in to fitting in to you know, a family. So there, there was basically the, the nuts and bolts of it was it was to do with the woman's self-worth and confidence in herself prior to marriage. So she already had a lot of insecurities, you know, within the relationship, but it was very much going along with it because that's what was expected. That's, you know, what you were meant to do. You're reaching a certain age, so therefore you need to be doing this. And I think there was a lot of, it'll be okay. Once we're married, it'll be okay. And I think it was equally the same on the other side. So it's, even though they're getting the alarm bells, they're ignoring them. Mm. And thinking that the distraction of a lavish wedding and honeymoon, you know, would divert away. But as you know, that once everything settles, the cracks begin to show. And that's basically what started happening, that when they actually moved in together, even though the cracks were there when they were dating, the cracks were just more apparent after the marriage. So, um, yeah, but it was basically working on looking into who they are in a relationship, who they are now currently and what they actually wanted as opposed to what they actually got. So we kind of worked through that scenario. By the time the person came to me, they were already single. So I don't offer marriage counselling, so it wasn't as a marriage counsellor, but it was at the aftermath of a broken relationship. So we kind of worked on, you know, the journey of rebuilding that self-worth, self-confidence, but also looking at patterns of relationships, looking at what was it that she had been doing, you know, to attract that kind of relationship or um, make those kinds of things happen and then build her back up so that she could move forward with her life. So did that couple or, or had they already separated or divorced yes. prior to you actually working with yeah. them? Both yes, yes, because I don't do relationship as in couples counselling. I don't work with couples, I work with individuals. So yes, when he came to me, that uh, marriage was over. Right. And so do you know 
are you still in the situation where you are coaching or mentoring that person and how she's doing now? Um, we working together and she is actually doing really well. She um, hasn't found anybody, but that's been her decision. After the, our work together, it's been very much that she wants time to build herself, time to really get to know herself and what she wants from life, but also a future relationship rather than just going from one straight into another. And But she is a lot more clearer on understanding her role because I think that's one of the other things she came with, that it was not really her doing. It was everybody else's and it was external influences and all of that kind of thing. But now she's able to understand her role in, in it and take responsibility so that future relationships and men should be a lot better equipped to be able to you know deal with that. I think a lot of us you know are very much guilty of that aren't we We, we, it's it's very easy to finger point isn't it and blame other people or our partner for whatever drama is unfolding but you know refuse to actually see that how we're contributing to that ourselves exactly and it's it's also it all comes back down to responsibility and as people it's not something that we are taught that we don't have any role models I mean it's very few role models that you know maybe within our immediate family a circle of friends of course there's people we aspire to but so there's nobody actually teaching us that you take responsibility everybody is teaching us that it's somebody else's fault it's not me it's somebody else's so when you've come with that kind of education and understanding of the world then to you nothing you are doing in a scenario is wrong or your fault it's somebody else is doing it to me. Mm. And that's kind of taking your power and self-confidence without you actually realising that that's what's in play. I love the expression, it's nobody's fault, uh, nobody's to blame, but we're all responsible. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, that is a lovely um, way of putting it. But it's seeing that, yeah. that you know, you're also that person that's responsible. Definitely. And that, that's the hardest thing sometimes in, in any sort of scenario that's challenging is to actually, you know, walk away at a moment of calm and actually ask that hard question, you know, what am I contributing to this? You know, how am I contributing to this? What do I need to learn? What do I need to know? You know, they, they are the very empowering questions and, and they are the questions that are going to help you take responsibility rather than pointing the finger outside of yourself, aren't they? Exactly. And again, it all comes back down to education, as in relationship education, something that we're not taught, even, you know, if we've had grandparents and parents who have been in a, in a happy relationship for decades and celebrating their 50th, 60th anniversaries or whatever, they don't teach you the skills that they've learned. I mean, it's very few, I'm not going to generalise. So as a nation, it's not something that we're equipped to handle. And so we do fall into a lot of pitfalls with regards to, you know, navigating our way around. And especially when you're a young couple who are starting off with the, you know, normal process of dating and then um, missing the moving in together, but going straight into marriage, you're not really going to know how 
stuff that comes up and that can cause you're not willing to compromise and work at it, but kind of give up because you think it's an easier option. Yeah. Well, some very interesting scenarios and guidance and lots of wisdom within this conversation, Abila. So thank you so much for coming on today's episode and sharing all that with us. Thank you so much for having me, Lynn. So if our audience want to get in touch with you, Ambila, what's your best uh, contact information? Best way to find me is on Facebook under my name, Ambila Nath, because I'm the most active there and you'll get me more instantly. Brilliant. Well, as always, I'll make sure Ambila's information and all our contact URLs are in our show notes. And it just leaves me to say thank you very much again, Ambila, for your wonderful insights. Thank you so much. And on that note, listeners, I just want to leave you with, as I always do, that true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined, or search Lynn Smith inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.